Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams. And in the words of Gary Bettman, we have a trade to announce. A big trade in terms of AHL standards, which have impacts on both teams involved. Vancouver traded Jack Rathbone and Corel Plastic to Pittsburgh in exchange for Mark Freeman and Ty Glover. Now, this is an interesting transaction given the differing although still consequential impacts it has on both teams. Pat, we'll start with you. Uh, from Pittsburgh's point of view, what are your thoughts on on how this transaction impacts them? Yeah, this is kind of one of those compare and contrast deals. Um, so for Pittsburgh, this is more with an eye, I'd say not long-term, but mid-term. Um, it's, it's getting a player, maybe what, you know, a more pessimistic description would be a distressed asset, meaning like a player that came in with a lot of potential, showed a lot of early, um, uh, real promise, all-rookie team member uh, two years ago with Abbotsford, almost a point-per-game player, um, hit hit a really tough stretch with injuries. Uh, he took a big hit late in that 21-22 uh, season that I think you know was uh, kind of the start of a, a difficult stretch for him. He now goes to Pittsburgh. He's going to play in that system with Wilkes-Barre Stratton uh, play under GM Kyle Dubas, who I think we, we all know has, has, has shown a propensity through the years to, to take on these, these uh, types of, uh, I guess you would say almost a project, uh, rehabilitation, uh, a renovation, whatever you want to call it, uh, of a player and work with him, really kind of throw all the assets uh, at hand, you know, skills coaches, um, you know, so, so that's what it means from the Pittsburgh side, from the Vancouver side. um, This obviously gives you an NHL ready player right now, Mark Friedman. Um, It was certainly an easy deal, uh, at least for Pittsburgh to make in the sense that uh, Wolfsbury Stratton has a veteran issue, not too many of them uh, to put it mildly. Uh, So this relieves a little of that pressure as well. Friedman's a player you can plug right into the NHL lineup right now. Um, I don't think anybody's saying that uh, he's, he's got a, be a game changer in Vancouver, but but certainly he's a serviceable player that can uh, take care of immediate needs. Yeah, and just for those listening that aren't aware, when Pat's a veteran issue, he doesn't mean there's too many players with experience. Uh, what it means yeah. is there's a veteran rule. You can only play uh, five veterans, which is deemed as a player that's played over 260 games professional level, including Europe, 20, 260 uh, regular season games at, uh, in a game at one time. So that's mm-hmm. what Pat's talking about. Yeah, I agree with you on those points. I think it's also... We, t- we talked about a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, yeah. Dubas is replenishing depth, whether it was like the waiver claim with Johnson Harkins, a deal like this, where you're, you're, you're dealing with one of the, the worst prospect pools in terms of high upside talent. And what yeah. you're doing is you're taking, you're taking a flyer on whatever can come by players that are, have showed to farewell the HL level, maybe don't have the highest ceilings, but 
you hopefully can turn to NHL serviceable players, which is important when you're in a window like they are now. They're trying to win and extract the most account of this core. So this move aligns with that. Just on Rathbone, though, like I think it's interesting because I, he's cleared he cleared waivers this year, right? Yeah. So the and which is a pretty damning indictment onto where teams see him right now. But if you look at just the the career pro- progression, it's been a lot of stops and starts for him. And mm-hmm. there's no denying that he, when he's been in the NHL, he just hasn't been good to date. Like that is that is a fact. And it's not a matter of this isn't a Matthew Phillips situation where Vancouver wasn't giving him a chance. He's had a chance. He didn't do great. But as you kind of alluded to, what's working in his favor is Dubis and the way that he runs things. Mm-hmm. I'm sure as this year goes on, his first year at the helm, it'll kind of take shape. They're all in on kind of getting the most out of these projects and whatnot. And I think Wilkes-Barre is going to be a competitive team and and hopefully a Rathbone can take advantage of that. I think what I like about the deal as a whole, though, is, and you touched on it, but it, it helps both parties. For Vancouver, they have, as you said, a distressed asset. They couldn't get a pick for him. Otherwise, they would have traded or an, like they would, couldn't have gotten a desirable asset for him before placing him on waivers. But now they get to flip him out because for mm-hmm. them, Jack Rathbone's not going to hit a ceiling in Vancouver. That became yeah. clear. So then it becomes, okay, what is Jack Rathbone in our pipeline? Is he a good, reliable depth defenseman for us? Probably not. Mark Friedman mm-hmm. more so would, would fit that mold. Then the inverse for Pittsburgh, who does have quite a quite a few depth defensemen, I think it's fair to say, you know, like Riley yeah. Shea and, and other guys, uh, John Ludwig, who they picked off waivers. For them, it's like, okay, let's take a shot at this guy. Let's put him down in Wilkes-Barre. We've got him. We've got Ty Smith, a bunch of projects out there that are also good AHL players. They're not too raw. Mm-hmm. let's let's just roll the dice like why not and i think it's you know you always see it with change of scenery can help guys and boost them and elevate them rathbone does have work to do um it's so weird because it's one of those cases where like i'm trying to think of, you would know better like a comparable for this and when we get to our next topic i want to know some comparables too and i don't mean to put you on the spot but like the rathbone situation does it remind you of anyone in the past in terms of guys where they have that high pedigree upside and then things just don't work out for them right away in a quick, not right away, in a quick span. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, from like two years ago, looked like a top four to be guy. Yeah, he, he did. Um, it's it, there's a little bit of a comparable with a Lucas Johansson, I think. Hershey Washington. Now, now it's a little different because Washington took a different approach. Like Washington rolled that out, right? Like right. They they it was a first round pick. Uh, Lucas Johansson, I saw him a lot early, especially early in his career. There was a, a lot of tough nights for him, and he had some injury issues. And I think it, it, this just shows that there are different ways to approach a situation like this, right? Like, and it really does also depend where your yeah, what team and kind of your overall totally. operation is at. You know, what is your contention window? Obviously, for Pittsburgh, I mean, they, they kind of went all in this summer uh, with what they did. Um, so there's a little there's a little bit of a different circumstance there, but but you know it, it, they're similar in the sense that you know there was uh, two players, Johansson, Rathbone, that, that showed a lot of early potential. Um, and they got stuck. A, it got stuck. It got stuck for for quite a while actually. Um, it really did look like you know it just wasn't going to work. Washington wasn't in a situation. There wasn't maybe also necessarily an opportunity to move him, so they stuck with Johansson with Vancouver and, and Pittsburgh. Rathbone, I agree. It wasn't going to work in Vancouver for him. Vancouver is just not a, in a place to, to kind of live with those mistakes. Like, I, mean, I think that, you know, the thing with Rathbone is I think he needs to kind of start to simplify his game, especially at the NHL level. Like 100%. you can get away with some things 
at the AHL level that you just can't not at yeah. the NHL level. So I think for him, that will be a big part of his job with Wilkes-Barre Strand. It will be to start to reconstruct his game, simplify less is more. Don't force things. All the, all, all the, all the elements that go into, you know, being an effective NHL defenseman. I think he will hear them time and time again uh, with Wilkes-Barre Strand. As we know, like, like uh, with Dubas, you know, he, he puts a, a, a high premium on these types of players um, and, he, and he is willing to invest a lot of assets in, into um, things below the NHL level, you know, like your skills coaches. Uh, so, so I, I like the move. I think it's a low risk move. Um, you, you alleviate some of that veteran glut for your AHL club, get a player that, yeah, if he doesn't, if it doesn't pan out, it didn't really cost you much. Um, so this is kind of a, there's not no, nowhere to go, but up. Uh, from a Pittsburgh perspective, hey, if he if he turns into something great, if not, you cut him loose. Either way, um, you know this is only his second uh, team he'll be with, so certainly not ready to write a player off like that. Still youngish, um, you know. He, so I, I I like the move a lot. You know, when I saw that, I was like, that's a Kyle Dubas move, absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of Kyle Dubas, another guy that he worked closely with was Nick Robertson a mm-hmm. second round pick of the organization. He's back in the AHL again. And to basically nobody's surprise, he's tearing it up five points in two games, the opening weekend. If you look at it, you know, dating. So last year he had the, in, another injury was only the AHL for two games. This is another two games, but when you date back to last season uh, or two seasons ago, so the start of the 2021 two season, Robertson is have 30 has 35 points. His last 32 AHL games scoring over a point per game clip. For anyone that's watched him in the AHL, he's really progressed and grown his game from a player that came in, joined the team in the bubble in 2020, and had a little cup of coffee and flared well. He's rounded out his game and developed uh, as a much more wholesome player, I would say, and and, Mm. and less one-trick pony. But the thing is, with where he's at on the depth chart, it just it's seeming more and more likely like he's just at the wrong place at the wrong time in Toronto. Wrong place, wrong time, and uh, kind of the wrong uh, health history, right? Like totally. Um, Clavicle. Yeah, what else? Leg. Yeah. Um, Crazy. He had the knee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The upper body. So, um, yeah. All, all, what? Twenty-two years old. Um, so, totally. in some ways, I feel like we've only gotten to see a little bit of him, and which is literally true, but also just in terms of. Uh, just what his potential might be, what where your ceiling is. I think for him, that's that for me is the question. Like, all right, we know he's got a ton of innate skill. Um, we saw that this weekend uh, in him against Rochester and you go back to back afternoon games. And uh, he's the kind of player, certainly at this level, that can control control a game uh, for for decent stretches of the game as well. So that's great. But what what is going to get him to the NHL? And that's obviously. Um, learning that that two-way game and a team a lot like Pittsburgh is right now like the Leafs are you know their window is I don't want to say their window is short but you know they're they're in their that 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 period now where they're looking to win a cup yeah Uh, they don't have the 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 luxury of, of kind of uh, writing things out with a young player that's learning. But on not the even job. that. But 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 also, Pat, I don't think he's better than anyone on their roster right now. They are a contending team in the NHL, and it's not a slight on Robertson. Like I would even, I said this to you the other day. I don't think that the Robertson situation is a classic. Okay, 
where does he fit on a contender? Probably nowhere in the lineup, but on yeah. a Anaheim, he would make sense. No, I think if he was in Calgary's organization, he would he could have won a job. I think yes. he, if he was if he was in other systems as well, he that are in playoff contention, he's capable of winning a job. But he just is is the odd man out, and he's waiver exempt on a one of the NHL's contending teams. Well, uh, that's yeah. I mean, you bring up waivers, and that's obviously a whole other issue, right? For I mean, sure. That's uh, it has a bigger impact. Than that complicates like things. Uh, so we're not always dealing with apples to apples. Uh, yes. Uh, oranges to oranges type of uh, thing here. Like, you know, so when you're trying to compare one player to another player, two different teams, two different waiver situations, that's where that's where it can get messy. Uh, with Robertson, though, like this is a player that's only played, I believe, 94 games in the last three seasons, you know, basically since he turned pro. Yeah. Um, it's just not nearly enough. Like, I want him playing 70 plus regular season games and then go on a long playoff run. Like that for me is, you know, I, one of the questions I like to ask the players early in the year is like, you know, when you sit back at, you know, you know, hopefully for your sake, next June, what will you consider, you know, both team-wise and individually successful season? Like what are your, what are your goals there? What are your benchmarks? And I think for him, simply just putting in a full season, um, you know, getting over this bad injury luck, uh, that would be a huge step. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious if he stays in the HL for, for any length of times, the numbers are going to be there. Uh, he'll get to play now for John Gruden, the new head coach with the Marlies. Really, I think, bone up on his uh, defensive yeah. game. And I, I think maybe then you reevaluate things yeah. down the road. Uh, but just well, I want to play a full year. Totally. And the Leafs did too. But and I report this for the hockey news uh, in the summer. Mm-hmm. A, league, a, a league source close to the situation did tell the hockey news that last year, uh, Robertson's camp, led by Papri Son, was quite vocal to Dubis about Robertson being unhappy with the prospect of being sent to the AHL, and it is believed that was a contributing factor to them keeping him up there as a healthy scratch, um, even when he was in the lineup, which, as we all know, is very much not in line with what the Leafs typically do um, yeah. with their guys. So it's a blessing in disguise for him uh, that Tree's saying, "No, you're, you're going." Bratcher Living is saying, "You're going to the minors." Like, and you, you on one side of the coin, you argue, argue he's too good for the AHL, and I want to say. There is merit because so the 21 22 season, okay, smaller sample size, it was like 20 mm-hmm. a game. Robertson recorded 0.71 even strength points per game that season. That is the sixth most of any under 23 AHL player that played a minimum of 15 games between 2012 to 2022. So, not including the COVID season, though. Now, for what it's worth, of the players in the top 20 of that cohort that I just listed, the average number of games played they played the following year was 61. Yeah. So if that's not a metric to tell you that usually if you produce that well, you're going to the NHL next year, I don't know what is. Again, as you touched on, Pat, injuries have affected it. But I think the point you made that I agree with the most is he does need a full season. Like yeah. he he very well could have cracked another roster. But right now with where he's at, he needs to, to be – he needs – a 50 game stretch or whatever it is of playing. If the Leafs have an injury, I'm not saying don't call him up, but I'm just saying until there's a spot you need to be playing. And you're right. I think the, the biggest worry would be that he doesn't dial in on the defensive side of things and the other parts of his game. Cause he thinks, Oh, I shouldn't be here whatever. And that's, that's remains to be seen, yeah. but you're right. Like, like in terms of the process, and the long-term view of things, he's not getting any better by being a nine minute a night player in the NHL. Yeah, and certainly not sitting in the press box uh, with the Leafs either. Like, you know, just because you're in the NHL roster doesn't mean you're really on the NHL roster, right, in terms no. of actually being a contributor and being a, a player that, that 
is growing his game. That's what he needs. Like we know he can put the puck in the net. We know, we know that, right? Like, we know his shot. We know all that. Um, what I want to see are just, you know, those two things I mentioned, can he, can he stay healthy? Number one, number two, can he really dominate on the other side of the puck? He's offensively, he's dominant. Right. Can he be just dominant. as can he be just as aggressive retrieving the puck as uh defense when he doesn't have it yeah. as to when he's going in for a puck offensively? He needs to be ex- just as much of a pest or a pit bull when he's retrieving somebody on a four check. I mean on a yeah. back check, back check. Sorry, but yes, I agree with you, Pat. That's, um, that that will get him to the NHL. Hundred percent. Right? Like, I think it's a great thing. That's I mean NHL GMs and coaches they salivate over that. Like a player, like you said, that 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 pursues the puck uh, without it as much as he does when he has it is that will that they will come out of their seats uh, for that because and that's that, the step Robertson needs to take because yeah. it, you know the shots there the the wall plays there it's he he's not as consistent when it comes to the other end of the ice and I do still think back to the games argument. He does need more runway at using his teammates and playing sure. with them in the neutral zone at the pro level. You, the place to do that is the AHL, right? It's not the yeah. NHL. And if you score a point and a half or 1.33 points per game over the next 10 games, maybe it's a discussion that you bring him up. And I'm not saying not to, but yeah. get some runway. Let's get some runway here for the next little bit. And and the the, the other element of, of playing a lot of games is a lot of players can play one game really well. You know, they'll, they'll go out and let's say it's a three, three on a Friday night. They look great. Like they're like, yeah, brought out of a cannon. Um, Saturday night, well, you know, maybe they're still looking solid. Sunday, Sunday afternoon, yeah, third game in under 48 hours. That's when you see, that's what will separate a lot of players, right? Like a lot of players by that third game, it's pretty sluggish. It's a, you know, it's maybe a, a C level game as opposed to the A level game that they had Friday night. If you're a player that uh, can at least maybe keep it at a B level on Sunday, and, and you can and you can still make things happen with maybe not your best game, that's key, and that's why playing those the, the AHL schedule is huge. You're going to get tons of three and threes, three and fours, overnight travel. Um, they really kind of put you through the the rainer at this level, as it's a finishing school in a lot of ways, and and that's what I think will be a great test for him, a great barometer uh, to be able to apply those. Not just after a week of practice, that first game in a three and three, but but carried over. Even if maybe the points don't come to him that third game, he's still making contributions in other ways. And those are the players, like you said, those are the ones that end up going up to the NHL. Not only going up, but sticking up there for a long time. Absolutely. Now let's shift over to our prospect of the week, our inaugural one for the 23-24 season. A player that is in my backyard right now, not literally, but pretty close to it. Brad Lambert of the Mantle yeah. Moose. Opened up the season with three points in two game series against the Calgary Wranglers. Big Bad Brad, as he's called by uh, around these parts. Nate Schmidt gave him that nickname, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> Lambo is back uh, in the A this year. He started last year there as a drafter plus one player, but eventually was sent down to the WHL. The Seattle, Th- Seattle Thunderbirds went on a great run. They lost the Memorial Cup finals. He was dominant there in the WHL. And now he's come back a much more complete and confident looking player. And you could tell it from the opening weekend. I, you know, it wasn't an ideal setup maybe last year, like starting the year off with the moose and and having kind of those ups and downs. But I think in the end, it really, it worked out perfectly. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. you said, he got to go to Seattle. Um, He got some of that confidence back that maybe uh, going through that early struggle with the moose, 
would take away. And then obviously he then, you know, lands in a perfect spot with Seattle, like a team that goes, like you said, all the way uh, to the Memorial Cup final um, and gets to put up huge numbers, gets to be the go-to guy, gets to be, you know, a key piece of that, that whole operation there. Which he hadn't been um, for a long time. Which he hadn't been for a long time. And like, you know, in so many ways, like his, his whole development picture is kind of upside down. Totally. Um, you know, he played over in Europe at pro level for, for three seasons, um, you know, high level, you know, the Finnish league, it's, that's, that's the league of, of men. That's not yeah. uh, typically a league. You see a, you know, 17, 18 year old uh, kid trying, trying to navigate. So he came over, he got a taste of the AHL. That was good. And then I think to the, to the Winnipeg Jets credit, they, they recognize that. All right. Let's not try to force this more than um, more than it needs to be. He got his, he's got his taste at the AHL, send him back, let him, let him kind of take what he learned at the AHL level back with him to junior, incorporate that, come back this year um, at the ripe old age of 19 and uh, be able to really start to take off. Uh, so um, I think it's been handled really well for a very unconventional, um, you know, prior player history there, you know, what, what with the European background. Yeah, no, I would agree with you because um, it's funny. You're right. Like it, it, not conventional, but it's almost like in a way they kind of, they got the AHL jitters out the way last year, mm-hmm. at, at like the pro hockey North American. This is still, I want to make this very clear. This is still a project of a player. And I don't mean, yeah. like, I think that Brad Lambert needs uh, some seasoning in the, in the AHL. I don't think this is a player that will be the first in the call-up list uh, anytime soon. And that's not an indictment on his upside. It's just a reality of, of, no. of this raw 19-year-old player who has crazy lightning fast speed, but consistency has been his enemy. And that is really what, I'm sure the Moose are going to try to tackle here sure. uh, throughout this year. And, and Chaz Lucius there, another uh, first-round pick, will be there as well. There'll be growing pains. But what I thought about Brad Lambert this weekend and going back and watching a lot of his shifts, he had that in- attack mentality. And mm-hmm. last year, he was he was so on the perimeter. He was, he was often kind of, you know, whether it was – whether he was hyper-focused on not making a mistake, whether he was sort of used to – playing a different way in Europe, whatever it may be, it's almost like he was allergic to the middle mm-hmm. of the ice. And that's something that is that is common, mind you, with you know a lot of pl- players coming over, right? Because when you're a junior or at the lower levels for most guys, not Lambert, you're you're prone to, to being the best on your team usually. You mm-hmm. have been like worried about just you're the best player, right? Like you just go out and score the way you do. You don't you're not playing against players that are men and physically bigger than you. There's not as much you have more room to work with. You can blow by some guys with your speed, but then when you're the next level, you're not the fastest on your team. So there's a lot of things that come into play there. And then for Brad, right? He is so fast that, and his raw speed that in a lot of ways, he can get around players at this level. No question in the HL. <laughs> the point is how do you do that next step? How do you get confident going to the middle of the ice? That's the big, that's going to be the big part of him this year. And interestingly, they're starting him at center. And I personally believe Brad Lambert in the NHL, at least at this point, will be a winger. But the Moose and the Jets organization, and actually a lot of organizations, as I'm sure you attest to, um, when you have that center upside, they usually like to give you a chance of developing both those positions. I think that sure. they're going to do that with him, obviously. Yeah, show that you can't play center um, sure. you know, long-term. I, I, I like it, right? Like, given, the, given that responsibility, get him engaged early. Uh, and then, hey, you know, if in a few years it just doesn't seem like 
the center position is, is really his future, then, then you pull him back, put him on the wing, and that's fine. You're also giving them a different way to think about the game too, yeah. right? You're, you're, you're putting them in different spots where they have to use their IQ. So there's also that advantage. You know, the, the worst thing you could do is because you have Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti, your number one, two centers, go, well, Lambert's a winger. That would be yeah. the, the worst thing you could do. That's pretty short-sighted. So, sure. um, But one more thing about Lambert. It's interesting. With him and, and just his career and how things have gone with the AHL, I almost wonder if um, – this year, if he had just gone from junior last year to this year and not had the HL stint, no matter how well he would have done there, I'm sure there would have been significant growing pains off the hop because there is a, a very sizable adjustment there. Oh, yeah. And I think for him, maybe you got some of those growing pains out of the way last year, right? Like, yeah, no, it wasn't, sure. I agree. you know, and, and the earlier you can do that, the better. I mean, this is one of the reasons why you and I have talked a lot with the, you know, that, that CHO role. It, it, really can complicate things because you know i think for him like you know he saw what it's going to take to play just at the hl level never mind the nhl level. uh so i think that's a good way to send him. you send him back to junior he doesn't pick up a lot of those bad habits right like you know he sort of knows that th that's not going to work you know mm -hmm. at the hl level because he's already been through it so so i like i like how they've managed this you know the easiest thing to do with it last year would have been the right things uh, through with him at the AHL level um, and, and kind of leave it at that. But uh, I think they made the, the Jets as a, as an overall operation made, made a mature decision with him and Lucius as well to send them both back. Let them, you know, like I think for Lambert too, just let him get some success under his belt. Like over in Finland, he wasn't getting obviously that, that production offensively. Uh, then he comes to the AHL. It doesn't really happen for him. So like he needed to go back last year and also have, that success, get that confidence under his belt, uh, go put up a ton of goals, uh, go on a great long playoff run all the way to the Memorial Cup uh, with players his own age too. I think that's that's the thing that maybe is overlooked too. Um, is sometimes young players just need to be around other young players uh, just as a peer group. Totally. Uh, so just you know, there's a whole there's a whole another element. Uh, you know, you know, I think we really do forget that you know how young 18, even 19 years old is. I think. You know, we're used to when we think of them, we see the Bedards and the Crosby's and the Davids and those guys that come in to make it look so easy. But that's they're the exceptions, right? Like you're you think of a, an 18 year old, that's a kid that you know a year ago was sitting in math class, <laughs> you yeah. know, like like and now we're throwing them into this 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 the deep end of the swimming pool and saying, okay, go handle things. Well, right, and don't make mistakes. It, and if you do, we'll screw it. And don't make mistakes, exactly, right? So Hey, you know, like patience, patience is, if you, again, this is a theme we hammer all the time. If you look at the best upper, you know, best operated clubs across the NHL over a long, uh, consistent period of time, one thing they all have in common, one element, they may do things a little bit different, but, but they're all willing to be patient. Uh, we're seeing that with Detroit and Grand Rapids. Uh, Pittsburgh was that way for a long time. Tampa was kind of the, the, the perfect example of that. So, the Jets being patient is not a bad thing. Absolutely. Now let's get to our team of the week, and that is the Montreal Canadiens and the prospects they have in their system playing with Laval. To start out, I almost forgot this guy in the prep, and I think I honestly, I think I just deleted his name with my fat fingers, but Joshua Waugh, fifth-round pick, yeah. had a excellent opening weekend for Laval, and he's another example of a deep prospect pool that is, you know, they, they've had a lot of first-round picks, but they have nailed or so far they have they have produced some high upside i should say sorry they haven't nailed anything yet 
later round picks. And Joshua Wah, who had two goals, two assists in his first two games this year, is another example of that. His first year of pro coming off a 99-point campaign in 55 games in QMJHL. He's with the team a little bit in the 21-22 season in the playoffs, got into one game as well. He's our first prospect we're going to feature. Um, one of the, the main names of, of Laval, which is going to be a young, intriguing team. What do you like about Joshua Wapat? Yeah, with him, I mean, obviously, you know, he's not going to maybe come in with some of the hype and sense, like, you know, he's a fifth-round pick, right? So those players are more you're taking a flyer on, and that's fine. And uh, a lot like a Nick Robertson, rip things up in junior. Uh, so we know he has that 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 knack, right? Like, and, and, and certainly now coming in, four points in two games with Laval. Um they lost both games. That's great, right? Again, this I think this will be a player that you know, like like some of the other players you discussed, it's gonna be a little bit more of a long term um, uh, construction. Uh, and you know, just coming in, um, learning that pro game, that defensive game. I mean, it's not. It again, we 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 hammer this point time and time again, and it's not always the most exciting thing. It's not always the thing that that that's people want to hear, but it's so crucial at this level because the NHL just affords no, no leeway uh, for young players to come up there and make mistakes, you know, especially in a place like Montreal, right? Like where every, everything's going to be dissected and, and picked apart. Uh, so for him come in, it's great that he's getting some of that early success offensively under his uh, belt. He'll get to play a full year, I think, in Laval, play for JF Wool there. And, uh, you know, the Canadians have really invested heavily the last couple of years under the new management regime with Ken Hughes um, in a lot of development coaches. So I, I like where he's at right now, and he's a, he's a player that I think, you know, for a fifth-round pick especially, um, keep an eye on this kid. Yeah, if you saw if you saw his goal um, in that Aperture series, it was pretty filthy. I mean, yeah, uh, you got to temper expectations, especially when preaching to a choir of Montreal rabid fans. But boy, that guy that guy looked really gross uh, in those games. I mean, in the most complimentary way. Um, our next prospect we'll get to Sean Farrell. Now, Sean Farrell is another interesting case because for him, um, you know, obviously another late round pick, fourth round pick of yeah. the. 2020 draft year undersized forward coming out of the college ranks rank he he profiles quite well in uh byron bader's hockey prospecting.com model with an 11 percent star probability uh coming out of his draft year plus three season which is very solid let alone the fact that uh for a fourth round pick that's some great value he also has a 75 percent chance according to the model of becoming an nhl player so those are pretty intriguing numbers yeah. sean farrell thoughts on him pat yeah, uh, absolutely ripped it up last year at Harvard. Uh, I love I love his season last year. Like he got he came up, got those late games with with with, uh, with the Canadians. Yeah, um, got got to see what that's about, and then on top of that, got to go to the World Championship over um, over in Europe in Finland and Latvia. Played for Team USA. Got ten games in there. Um, well, I mean, that's just really kind of you had to drop a a, a season for a young player. Um, just barely turning pro. I mean, I don't think you could have done it better than that. So uh, putting that out of the way right off the bat, uh, a player that obviously had a ton of success um, at the college level comes in now. Now he's going to be coming in. He's a, on the smaller end of things, obviously. Um, excellent creativity. You he's know, like fearless though, man. He's yeah, fearless. he is. You know, and, and, and that's a good and bad thing because you got, you got to be smart about it. 
don't want to keep your head down. There are things you sure. need to, but it sure. is working in his favor, I would say. Yeah, and obviously right off the bat, the first thing you're going to notice is that creativity um, with the puck. Um, now, can he do that against pro competition? I, yeah, I think he can. Um, but, uh, you know, I think for him, like, you know, it, for it, it would be a case of getting bigger, getting stronger, uh, learning how to uh, really deal with, with, with the, the grind of a long season, six months, 72 games, um, ideally a long playoff run if you're Laval and, and him. Uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, the, the skill's there. I mean, for a fourth-round pick especially, um, you know, I really like, you know, he's he's kind of a emblematic of, of what they're trying to do in Montreal. I really like uh, what he represents, just, uh, you know, kind of taking a chance on a, on a player that, that has that skill with a fourth-round pick and bring him in and now – We'll see where it goes, but, um, you know, I, I'm really encouraged by him so far. Now, another prospect that uh, is also highly regarded, Emil Henneman, uh, had an unfortunate mm-hmm. injury, upper body, yeah. which will, in his uh, opening weekend series, upper body injury that will keep him out for a uh, definite period, uh, according to Laval. Too bad for him. He, you know, another project, he had a slower start to the preseason. By the end, he started to look a little bit hungrier in games, but, you know, you could tell, with him, it was going to take some time. He yeah. is, uh, you know, he's drafted the Florida organization, ended up uh, over in Montreal via trade, second round pick in 2020. And yeah, tough blow to the start of his pro career there. Yeah. I mean, first first weekend of the season to have that. I mean, obviously, teams at this are very kind of cagey, very, you know, close, you know mums the word with them as far as injuries. So we don't quite really know what's going on. Um, you just hate it for him because it's like, too you know, bad because yeah. Pat, he, he had nine points in 11 games with them last year. Like when yeah. he came over, like he had, he looked like the, it, the runway he came to the season with, it looked like, okay, Emil Hanneman's going to be a top end player for Laval. And then for this yeah. to happen, like that sucks to see. Yeah. And a player that came in with, you know, a lot of good experience over in the Swedish league. Um, so high, yeah. high, you know, high-end experience, um, came in at, you know, the ripe old age of 21 and everything kind of was on track. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make too much of, of an injury uh, early on. Um, you know, maybe this is hopefully for him a shorter term thing, uh, than, than rather than a longer one, but you know, anything, I, I anything that kind of disrupts the flow disrupts, uh, the pace of a, of a young player, especially getting off, uh, you want to have a good start. Um, came in with obviously a lot of optimism, hopefully for him, for his sake, for, for Montreal as well, that um, this is just a, a minor bump in the room. For sure. Um, two more we'll get to before we shift over to our final segment, Riley Kidney and Logan Mayu playing their first year here in Laval. Yeah. Uh, so Logan Mayu, um, obviously big shot defenseman, uh, led the OHL goals last year, 25 goals. Kind of a raw player, so I think for him it's going to be, you know, there's going to be some um, patience that's needed, uh, which is fine. Um, and then Riley Kidney, uh, uh, another young player where you're coming in. Um, I think he shows obviously a ton of potential. Um, he's raw, though. He's raw. He's really raw, and and that's okay. Um, huge numbers last year. Yeah, in the queue. Uh, got to go on a nice playoff run with Gretno as well. Um, 
again, I think a lot like, like, you know, some of the other players we discussed, I want to see him get a little bit bigger, stronger, all that good stuff. All the things that, you know, the HL in a lot of ways is, is kind of a weight room as much as a development league. Uh, that just takes time. Um, so, you know, sit back on him, a second round pick, lots to like so far. Uh, give Just give him a little bit more time to, to, to marinate there at Laval. I think, you know, for him, it might be a little bit of a you know longer runway as well. Yeah, poised uh, prospect with the puck that can do a lot of things. Okay, so to close off the first show of the regular season, we're going to introduce a segment that will be a regular, which is Around the A, where Pat Williams will go over some, and me as well, but, you know, Pat will, this is Pat's notebook here we're emptying out, some things that, news, notes, quotes, whatever you want to call it, from around the league. Pat, start with Hershey raising another Calder banner. Yeah, so a little harking back one more time to last season, Hershey with that fantastic run through the playoffs Game seven overtime, Mike Vecchioni, winner. Um, they were able to kind of take a trip down memory lane one last time. They had the banner ceremony, the 12th banner, uh, most in NHL history. Uh, they got their rings. They brought back four players that are now with the Washington Capitals uh, to come back. And then kind of a neat little twist is Garrett Pilon. Um, so they played Belleville. He signed with Ottawa over the summer. Uh, he was a big part of that. Hershey team the last year so he he actually participated in the pregame ceremony with the with the Bears and then flipped his jersey uh went out a couple minutes later and and played against them for Belleville so wait did he the, have the Hershey jersey on he wore his Hershey jersey uh for the uh, pregame ceremony for the team photo Respect. um yeah so that was that was pretty cool um and then uh yeah he had to kind of flip that switch and uh you know get ready to kind of knock heads with them uh a little bit later. So, um, you know, he was a long time Hershey Bears, six seasons uh, with that club. And, um, you know, this is the way the schedule worked out. It was, uh, it was really nice uh, uh, to have him come back and, and, and get to be a part of that, right? Like that, that was a huge part of uh, any player's career. And um, I was saying, I saw the range up close. Uh, they're pretty impressive. Absolutely. Uh, Mad Sogard, speaking of Belleville, yeah. much longer start to the season than last year. Yeah, so Mad Sogard, uh, so they play Bill, Belleville um, last season in his, uh, his first start of the season, 4-16 into the game, he was injured. Um, kind of was the harbinger of what was to come for him all year. He had only ended up playing 22 games with Belleville. Uh, they went through 10 goalies last year, so both for him and for the team, it was the sign of a, a lot of difficulty that was to come. He came back uh, Saturday night, opening night, put up a 30 save shutout. Um, was absolutely dominant. Uh, frustrated Hershey. Hershey had a ton of uh, uh, you know, prime opportunities. He shut them down. Um, he came down a real good frame of mind, just talking with him, talking with David Bell, the head coach there. Um, you know, really views this now as a chance to uh, just get a ton of games this season. Uh, he'll be uh, partnering with Kevin Mandelisi. Uh, Ottawa when it they put together a pretty good team in Belleville, so so he'll have a good shot there and uh, just a chance to to play a ton. That's what he needs at this stage. Absolutely, a pair of first round picks from the 2021 draft got off to a hot start in Brennan Othman of the New York Rangers organization and Le- and Logan Stankoven of the Dallas Stars. Yeah, so Othman, I mean, what a what an ideal start to his pro career. Hartford last Friday night um, scores twice, both on the power play. Uh, including the second goal of the game came with, uh, I believe, 241 left in regulation, sent the game to overtime onto the uh, shootout. They won that game. Uh, he had picked up an assist the next night. He looked great. 
Um, you know, playing top six minutes, really in some ways top three at different points, played with uh, uh, prime prime players on the power play. Um, I like what they're doing with him. We, we've discussed him a little bit before. Um, him going to Hartford, he's going to play a ton. A lot like Will Cauley did last year, who's now with the Rangers. Um, they're going to take a real good approach with him and, and, and let him get a ton of coffins. Stan Coven, same thing. Uh, second rounder, he uh, he's with the Texas Stars now. Uh, he had that obviously that that uh, great run through the playoffs last year in the WHL. Um, he's already shown that he's uh, he's adjusted quite well uh, to the American League level as well. So uh, he's a player I think that will you know probably be in Texas a uh, good chunk of the season, if not all of it. Obviously, with the yeah. Dallas Stars being a you know top contender, they can take their time with him. They don't have to push him, but uh, you know so far so good for him. And last but not least, two veteran scorers that are signing deals in the AHL and Rocco Grimaldi and Brendan Perlini. Yeah, so Chicago Wolves, uh, kind of another topic that we kicked around a lot this summer. Um, they went out and got one of the best 33 goals last year between Rockford and San Diego. Uh, he'll be playing with some some top, top-tier veterans. Uh, Grimaldi, Chris, that is. Grimaldi. Yeah, Grimaldi. Uh, um, you know, Chris Terry, um, Cole Schneider, so on and so forth. He's kind of this uh, – Grimaldi is this, uh, that straw that, that stirs the drink, so to speak. Um, you know, at this level, absolutely elite. Elite sniper. Uh, he'll be fantastic there. Brandon Perlini, another player um, who's shown that he can be absolutely dominant as well. He went to the Charlotte Checkers on a deal. Um, they've uh, they've really kind of bulked up their roster as well. They uh, got Mackie uh, Samsuskevich. Uh, so um, they've had a kind of a nice productive week here early on uh, in Charlotte. Uh, they're getting ready. To, they play back-to-back nights in Toronto this weekend. So uh, – Anybody in Toronto that's listening, uh, you might want to check out the uh, Checkers. They have a, a good mix, once again, of uh, prospects and vets. Uh, they'll be a fun team to watch, no question. Absolutely. And with that, we conclude episode uh, one of this season. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next week with all our usual segments. Until then, though, take care.